And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Zach. And I have my brother back for another weird, different episode. Hi, Zach. Hi, Alex. How are you? Tired. It's uh, finals week? Yeah. Yeah. Finals week. That'll do it. Uh, So here's the story. It snowed in Atlanta, which is a part of the South, which does not cope well with snow. Nope. And then uh, uh, life found a way to irritate us with germs and automobile incidents. Everyone is fine. But it is Tuesday, well after we normally release, let alone record. So instead of a normal episode, we have the panelology 2017 winter mid-season TV recap. Yeah. Yeah, this is an audio medium. You can't just give a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I realize that I do lots of visual gestures now. Yeah. Um, you'll just have to translate those into words using your mouth hole. As one often does. Yes. So, uh, I thought it would be fun to do this because we never talk TV on the show. And after getting you into... Uh, be willfully and helpfully demonstrative of your own ignorance of Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it would be nice to give you a chance to talk about something you do know about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where would you like to start with TV? Uh, well, I do want to ask, are we doing Lucifer? We can do Lucifer. I watched Lucifer. Okay. So do we want to run through the things we, we will talk about? Because we have not compared notes ahead of time. Uh, yeah, let's do that really quick. Alright, and that way if you're listening at home and there are things maybe you're behind on or don't care about, um, you, you have an idea of where to tap out. So we'll hit the Arrowverse shows. We'll do Supergirl and Legends and Arrow and Flash. Okay. We'll hit Lucifer. Right. Uh, we can talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know how far into that you are. I've only seen the first two episodes of the season. Okay. So we can talk about the first two episodes, which aired, I think, together as one big two-hour thing originally. That's right. We can talk about Runaways. I'm a couple of episodes in. I don't know how much you've watched. Uh, I think I've seen three episodes now. Okay, so we can talk about the first couple of episodes of that. Okay. And... Is there anything else? There's Riverdale, but that hasn't been Oh, River- but we can yet. still talk about Riverdale, even though that's tomorrow. It's okay. mid-season. Okay. So you want to talk, you want to start with, with the Arrowverse stuff then? Uh, sure. Okay. To me. Cool. So, uh, worst wedding guests in the multiverse. Oh, yeah. This is, this is what we have learned oh, yeah. over the last couple of weeks going into the season finale and during the crossover. Oliver and Felicity. 
you should never, ever, ever invite to a wedding. That's true. That's true. Do we want to go over Crisis on Earth X a little bit? Since yeah, and so I figure we can talk about the whole like first half of the season in general, what we've liked, okay. what we haven't. We it's 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 we can talk about whatever we want. All right, that's a lot yeah. of TV. Well, don't linger. Okay. Um, <laughs> Stick to the important things, Zachary. You'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you want to start in airing order and just do Supergirl, then Flash, then. Sure. Start wherever you like. <laughs> okay. Supergirl. Supergirl's good. Yeah, Supergirl's been very good this season. Um, I was a little taken aback by the way they handled Rain in their midseason. Okay. So, obviously we're going to be talking about a lot of spoilers here. Yeah. And I don't think it is reasonable to try to call spoilers every time. So, if you're not caught up and you don't want spoilers, maybe just skip this one and come back later. Um... So, why were you taken aback by Rain? I wasn't taken aback by the villain in and villainess in and of herself so much as the way they presented her during this midseason. Okay. Um, I think we've talked a little bit before about how I thought it felt like they were sort of trying to dip into the horror genre, but they didn't really quite get there. And so it came off as kind of cheesy. Or I think that was just... definitely true of that finale episode, yeah. Yeah. And here and there earlier, too, like, there was that one scene where, uh, what is the character's name? Which character? Rain. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I just think of her as, what's her name from the last season of House? I, Park? I guess. I only watched, like, half of the last season of House. Oh. Um, but she was in the last season of House. I remember her from that. I think she's very good on this. I can just never remember her character's name. Ever. Oh, I'm, I'm always bad at remembering the real names instead yeah. of the aliases. Uh, anyway, like, there's a scene, I don't know, a few episodes into the season where she's in her bathroom and she hallucinates all these runes on herself. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And then there are also the, the nightmare scene back, I think, first couple episodes. Yeah. Where she has, like, the same dream as Kara, but everything is just distorted in some way. Yeah, so there have been those elements, but I agree with you that in that in that last episode, maybe they felt a little out of place. Yeah. Um, what I do like is them setting her up as friend and confidant and like going in as a true sort of foil to Kara in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, I think they're doing a very good job of that. Um, and I think they've done a, a really good job of... Um, the religious aspect of it. Yes, that has been interesting because, well, a couple of reasons. One is you get the whole Superman, Supergirl, Kryptonian characters are basically sun gods, Grant Morrison take, mm-hmm. uh, uh, contemporarily. But also because I think they're doing a thing. We've talked about the thing I think they're doing, right? And tying it into... Uh, Legion of Superheroes lore? A little bit, yeah. Um... So, I have this theory that I know you've heard, but I'm going to explain because I haven't talked about it on the show before. Okay. Uh, I have this theory with the Legion characters on Supergirl and with the way they're framing Rain as 
avatar of a goddess of the dark, of darkness, that they may be going in this, I think they're going in this direction where they're going to try to relate Rain to the Great Darkness Saga Mm -hmm. from Legion of Superheroes. Because in this finale, they go to pretty extreme lengths to make sure that Kara never shows Monel or Phantom Girl the symbol or anything about Rain. That's true. Like they're very intentional about keeping that knowledge from either of them. And they talk earlier in the episode, I think Phantom Girl mentions a darkness is coming. She does. And that word has a very specific meaning among Legion of Superheroes. Or at least very specifically references that story in Legion of Superheroes. When I hear Legion... I, I know nothing about Legion. I know what the Great Darkness Saga is. Okay. So... What can, what can you tell me about that, if anything? I mean, I can tell you very little about it because I know nothing about Legion of Superheroes, but I know okay. like it's the big Legion of Superheroes thing. Okay. Yeah. It's like... You say Death of Superman, and I think of, you know, kind of the big defining thing for Superman... Mm-hmm. Sort of historically, you say Great Darkness Saga, and I kind of think of it as the same way for the Legion, whether correctly or not, but it's a pretty big thing in that in that canon. Um, right. I'm trying to find the name of this character before it drives us both insane. <laughs> okay. Samantha. Samantha, okay. Yeah. So I don't know, I think they're I think they're building that in which i think is a cool choice if they go that way Mm -hmm. uh and i don't just say that because part of me is pulling for them to eventually spin off a legion of superheroes show (laughs) even though i think that would be a good idea that the cw would be a perfect place for a legion of superheroes show i'd watch it yeah i would be at like 10 shows a week but i would watch it (laughs) but i like i like the way they build her in as part of the group as part of this sort of core group of friends that Kara has built. Right. And I had had this thought, and you had said it to me before I had said it to you, but you talked about the idea that, well, Maggie wants kids, and they're setting up Samantha to be villain. Right. And Samantha's got the daughter. So you can kind of see, I think the, the finale, you mentioned it before that, but I think the finale really moves everything in that direction. Like, you see Alex kind of... Talking to her some at the Christmas party and bonding with her daughter. I think, I think you're right. I think that's going to be a thing that happens. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely a possibility, and I would look forward to seeing that. Yeah, especially if it brings Alex and Maggie back together. Which I don't know why it necessarily would, but I am all for them reconciling. Me too. Yeah. Speaking of uh, romantic interests, yes, Jimmy and Lena this week. I think this is a thing you and I disagree on. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure when you talked about it, you were not wild about this. Or at least felt like it was very sudden. I I did feel like it was a little sudden. Um, Maybe I just forgot something along the way. But the last thing I remember them doing was fighting over the company. Well, there was that. And you're not wrong. And I'm not saying there was anything like big or obvious or even necessarily that entirely earned them uh, necessitating a call to human resources. But there was a moment, like the episode before Crisis on Earth X, Mm -hmm. where at some point she decided 
to let Jimmy do his job, or they like exchange this look at each other. And in that moment, I remember thinking, oh, well, they're going to date now. Oh, okay. I think I remember what you're talking about. I thought yeah. I think I read that as more like a professional thing. I read that like as very much a not professional thing. <laughs> well, but it was it was sort of the the meta discussion of the thing mm-hmm. in the script itself in what was shot. Okay, no, I don't necessarily think there was anything there. In knowing how these TV shows get structured and how they set things up, the way that moment was paced. That is what led me to think, okay, they're going to be smooching before the end of the season. Okay. Or mid-season. Okay. Um, and then Crisis on Earth X happens, and you lose all that momentum, so it does feel very out of the blue in right. in the in the mid-season finale. Because we've talked about Supergirl feels like it has the least amount of fallout from that. Not, you and I personally have, but we haven't yeah. talked. Yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. Well, and it makes sense, though. Like, all that happened on... The Earth where the other shows take place, there were no major emotional stakes for Kara or her sister that came back into Supergirl. Um, she and Alex didn't exchange interdimensional cross-temporal phone numbers. Yeah. So... You know, that, that would have been super helpful this week. Yeah. Um, John and his father... I love John's father, and not just because he's the voice of Martian Manhunter from Justice League, although that does not hurt. I am really enjoying them both, especially with the way they're actually using Wynn in that relationship. Yeah, um, that I don't find Wynn entirely intolerable is maybe the most impressive thing I've ever seen a TV show pull off after the first season of Supergirl. <laughs> Because I did not expect to ever kind of, sort of, almost like him after that. I I, I can see why. Um, especially if, you know, you, you have, like, a harder time, I guess, sort of forgetting about that. Yeah. Um, for me, it was more a matter of when it moved, I thought, okay, this is a clean slate. That's all continuity, but I'm going to assume this is just a new show sort of thing. Which is more generous than I am. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, if only because, as a viewer, I still watched all that. It is still a thing that happened, and it's still in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I suspect that my like internalized anger toward just the even concept of the friend zone, which is stupid and bullshit and... Not a thing that exists and that guys need to quit whining about. Agreed. Maybe is a little more, uh, that may be something that just irritates me more than it irritates you. Could be. Or or you're just nicer than I am, which is (laughs) not hard. So what else on Supergirl? We've talked about, now are you, so other than it seeming sudden, are you pro Jimmy and Lena? I, I, I'm not against them for any... I don't have anything against them. It's just hard to... It's hard for me to find anything as good as Alex and Maggie after that. Well, okay. <laughs> I get that. And that's... Look, I'm I'm pro Alex and Maggie. But I need you to imagine the conversation between Clark and Jimmy when Clark finds out that if if, if things advance... 
when Clark finds out that Jimmy has at least been making out with Lex Luthor's sister. And if it goes further, they start dating that he is in fact dating his best friend's nemesis's sister. It's a... His nemesister, if you will. <laughs> that would be uh, pretty awkward for Jimmy. It would be wonderful. I think that only leaves Supergirl and Monel and... Phantom Girl? I'm pretty sure that's Phantom Girl. There are a lot of Legionnaires, and I don't have a great working knowledge of them, but I'm pretty sure that that one's Phantom Girl. Okay. I'm like 75% sure that that's Phantom Girl. I can't remember her name either, her actual name on the show. It's... I don't know, I still got it pulled up. It is... Irma. 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 Irma Ardeen. Okay. Yeah. But I wasn't wild about the dynamic between the three of them this week, but I, I get why it has to be there, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's what I bumped into that made me think, okay, no, there's clearly some narrative reason they don't want either of these characters who know anything about Rain. Yeah. I think that was the, the awkwardness of it. Um... I can see that. Definitely. And I, you know, I was never the biggest Monel fan. Yeah. Only because like I thought the actor playing him did a great job, does a great job. But the way the character was just always like second guessing and mansplaining and trying to protect Kara who is by far more competent than him in every conceivable way. No argument here. <laughs> um, that got under my skin. Although I'll say, when he showed back up, and immediately he and Wynn got right back up to their stupid ignoring her and doing things to protect her without her having any say in it whatsoever, there was a part of me that, while frustrated, also said, you know what, at least the writers realize this and immediately shift into that mode. And don't just, you know, I... I Things like that, if they're intentional from a writing standpoint, don't bother me because I assume there will be a payoff. Right. It's when they're accidental and never resolved, when they're just so ingrained in tropes or in writing that nothing actually happens with it, mm-hmm. La La Land, that it really just climbs under my skin and sits there. So it's understandable. As long as it's going towards some in, as long as there's you know a, a, a roadmap for it, okay, fine. That can be, that can be a part of the plot. That's that's okay. Yeah. Um. Also, Adrian Pastar really just exists to play jerks on superhero shows at this point, huh? He's he's the actor who portrays Mon- Morgan Edge. Morgan Edge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 After being Talbot on Shield. And Nathan on Heroes. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I've only seen the first season of Heroes. That's the correct way to watch Heroes. <laughs> you are actually allowed to watch Heroes Reborn. I don't know that it will make any sense without those middle three seasons. But it was okay. And it has uh, the actress who plays Tess in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tess. Is that the new girl? That's the new girl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um... You want to, uh, do what? 
You want to say anything else about Supergirl? You want to move on? Oh, no, I was going to say, I think uh, I think that's about all I've got on Supergirl. Cool. Uh, Flash. Flash. This was the uh, No Happy Endings episode. That's what the thinkers said. Yeah. The Flash is a show that... This season, I have either loved an episode... Or just really not liked an episode. There's been very little middle ground for me in this season. I take it this one was one you really didn't like then? No, I was actually pretty okay with this episode. Really? This is maybe the, this is maybe the most divided on an episode I've been okay. at this finale. Um, the Barry Thinker stuff, I really enjoyed. Like, as a big bad goes, and maybe it's just three seasons of Speedsters. As a big bad goes, I really liked The Thinker. I am not wild about the Caitlin and, oh, is she the mechanic? The blacksmith. The Caitlin and blacksmith arc. Me neither. Um, just cause, and it's, it's nothing against Katie Sackhoff at all. Just the way that character is written drives me insane. I, I agree. Um, Every episode that she's been in so far, I've just not enjoyed very much. At least not that part of the episode. Yeah. Because um, you and I talked about the um, the Bachelor Party, Bachelorette Party episode. Which, it is hard. That is probably my... That is one of my two least favorite episodes of the season. Of the season, okay. Yeah. That and what was it? It was like this... Oh, the, the couples counseling episode. Oh, that yeah. was the other one. Yeah, that one was a little. Um, mostly because I just I don't get the end game. They've never really defined. I feel like what the so Caitlin between seasons went out looking for help with becoming Frost, right? And apparently found it through the blacksmith, maybe at least tangentially. Yeah, but and maybe maybe I just tuned out. Can you tell me what that relationship is? Can you tell me what the blacksmith actually did for her? Uh, well, as far as I can remember, um, I think she had Frost employed as some sort of muscle. But, but how does that out. keep Frost under control? I don't know. I just, I, that whole weird plot line, and I think, it's weird, because I think the the acting... Danielle Panabaker's done this season as Caitlin and as Frost has been very good. It's been some of the most interesting stuff this season. Yeah. Watching her, like, kind of drive both of them to more of middle ground. But I do not understand what the whole setup with her and the blacksmith is. Oh, me neither. I, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, as, soon as, you, as soon as we talked about doing this episode yeah. of the uh, podcast tonight... I can't even think of a tangible goal that the blacksmith has. I mean, the blacksmith seems like she wants to get rich by exploiting metas. Like, both of her plots have been that. But I don't really know where this fits into big scheme for criminal empire, where... Like, I don't know if she's supposed to be a serious threat or if she's comic relief. I don't... Like, they make it sound like, oh, she's untouchable... But now twice, they've taken her down pretty easily. Yeah. 
And I don't know if it's a tonal thing or a writing thing, but I just... I think you're right. This consistently is probably the plot line that just doesn't work for me this season. And the more I try to think about what what it... The more I try to define this plot line, the more amorphous it becomes in my mind. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we should just move on from that. Yeah. Uh... The big thing, obviously, so far has been the engagement and ultimately wedding of Barry Allen and Iris West. Mm-hmm. Even if it was sort of stolen. Yes. First by Nazis and then by Team Arrow. Yeah. But even a little bit by Team Arrow. I was going to say, kind of by Team Arrow, then Nazis, then Team Arrow again. Yeah, they, they stole the rehearsal dinner and then the actual wedding. Yeah. And Oliver and Felicity are both at fault for that one. Oh, yeah. Oliver should not have proposed at the rehearsal dinner. Nope. Felicity should not have yelled, I don't want to marry you, at the rehearsal dinner. Nope. Even before that, at like the, the bridal shower bachelorette party thing, when Kara was asked how things with her and Monel were going... She gave just a quick answer and moved on. Felicity let all those feelings flow. Oh, yeah. Like, she really rained on everyone's parade at the bachelor party. Yeah. I I know their whole thing is they don't share enough, but I think they might have shared too much that time. Well, their whole thing, I think, is that they don't share with the people they need to. That's probably Because they do talk a lot about their feelings on Arrow. That's accurate. Um... My favorite thing about, one of my favorite things about watching the crossovers is identifying which set of writers and production team worked on each part. Mm-hmm. And the Arrow one for EarthX I felt was very obvious because the first half of the episode was people in hallways talking about their feelings to the people they, to anyone but the people they needed to talk to. And the second half was 30 minutes of people punching each other. And that's an Arrow episode. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm cool with Barry and Iris. I don't really know that. I don't really know that I feel strongly one way or the other about the fact that they just got married on the show. If only because you've never really had time to see them work as a functioning couple. Yeah, it seems like there's always something going wrong. And that you never get that solid baseline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember reading articles last season about how there was just never any time for them to be a couple. Yeah. And Which... Then, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, and then, you know, he came out of the Speed Force, and they were immediately fighting and went to couples counseling, and then they were doing bachelor parties and bachelorette parties without each other. And they I mean, have typically you do your bachelor and bachelorette parties without I, each other. I, I get that, but my point was more that they haven't really been together... Except when they're fighting. And while Savitar was trying to kill her. And while future Barry was trying to kill her. Right. Yeah. Um, I do I do kind of appreciate the way they have sort of internalized and spun that. Because they've acknowledged, well, you know, there's always going to be something wrong. We might as well just go ahead and work through whatever. Because there's never going to be a good time. Right. That's even the advice that... Barry gives Oliver that leads to Oliver being a very bad wedding guest. Yeah. 
Uh, we could just do an hour on how bad <laughs> Oliver and Felicity are as wedding guests. Oh, we could. Especially just everything they did. Even their wedding gift. Even their wedding gift. What did they get him? They got him an espresso machine, despite the fact they held their rehearsal dinner in a coffee shop that is very important to them. Yeah, like every time you've seen these people interact, they've interacted in the coffee shop. How many Felicity scenes on Flash have been in that coffee shop? Most, if not all. Yeah. Um, and it was not on the registry either. No. That, no, it wasn't. That's an important detail. That is an important detail. They are the worst wedding guests. They are. Um, but there was one other wedding present that was not on the registry, per se. I, I think we should hold off on that one until the end of The Flash. Because that's, that's a big one. And it's a big setup for next season, next half season. Okay, that's fine. I always take segues where they present themselves, but <laughs> you are the guest. What would you like to talk about on The Flash next? I was going to ask you about how you feel about Ralph Dibney. You know that's a loaded question. I do know that's a loaded that's question. That's why you asked it. Oh, yeah. There are moments when, like a fungus, maybe Ralph Glow grows on you a little bit Mm -hmm. um the problem is they never seem to stick for him yeah like traditionally i have no problem with the character of ralph dibney right admittedly not like i've read a ton of elongated man Mm -hmm. but no real problem with him the way he is written on the show is supposed to be irritating right but maybe for me, uh, I find him a little more irritating than they <laughs> want him to be. Yeah. There have been a couple of moments I like. Um, like halfway through his arc, he has the moment with... They were fighting... Who was it they were chasing? Oh, they were chasing uh, the meta who was stealing The artifacts. Black Bison, is that what her name was? Maybe. I think that I think that's right. Something like that. Um and he tried to stop her instead of saving the little girl, the little girl got put in the hospital and inexplicably two grown men in their thirties got to hang out in a little girl's hospital room and get updates from her doctor. Um and then even more strangely later one of them went back and made balloon animals out of his hands for her. Yeah. I think that's kind of blowing the secret identity there, but... Yeah, that's that's the... All in all, I, I thought the episode was okay. That's another one of the maybe a little more middle-of-the-road episodes for me this season. Right. Um, it had that moment at the end of Ralph saying, look, I'm awful, I don't need to... And Barry becoming a mentor to him that eventually I'm sure they'll double back to when Barry uh, overcomes his new status quo. Yeah. But, why is that doctor disclosing information to these two men who have nothing to do with this child and were on the scene in superhero clothes, but then start hanging out of the hospital in their civvies? Is no one putting this together? I don't think so. Maybe the... I don't know where I was going with that. Surely the little girl has to realize as he's making balloon animals out of himself... 
Maybe she blocked out the memory of getting... What, was she hit by a street lamp? Was that what it yeah, was? Yeah, I think it was like a street light or a power pole or something fell down. Yeah, maybe it's too traumatic for her to remember. Maybe. Um, maybe it's one of those doctors from Arrow that tells all the vigilante stuff for some reason. I mean, there is the, there is the one like nurse practitioner on Arrow who seems to just treat everybody and who... We can get to there, but... You'd think an FBI agent investigating Arrow would, you know, maybe canvas the hospital a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like an obvious loose end for uh, someone to track down, but we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll go ahead and say this now. I tend to be, I think, the most critical of Flash and Arrow. I enjoy both of these shows on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um... And some seasons they're stronger, and some seasons other shows are stronger. And right now I have probably more nits to pick with the two of them than with Supergirl or Legends. But well, it's I, an I, ebb and a flow. I feel like part of that is that their their quality sort of fluctuates a little more. Well, they've also been running longer than either of the other two, and right. that makes a difference. I get that too. You get a little more critical as it goes. Yeah. Um, but I liked I liked that kind of arc for Ralph in that episode. Um, my favorite scene of the whole season may actually be, I think it was the beginning of the next episode when the two of them are leaving the coffee shop and someone tries to mug them and oh, shoots yeah. Ralph and the bullet just bounces off and he accidentally shoots the guy in his own knees twice, um, without ever firing the gun. Yeah. Uh, that scene may actually have been my favorite scene of the season so far. I don't know why it was so funny to me. Uh, but it was. I, even Ralph at the end, very tosses up the gun. He's like, huh, you left your gun. Free gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it is a credit to actors who can play characters who I hate as much as I hate Ralph did me. Um, but right now I very much hate Ralph Dibney and I'm looking forward to hopefully eventually him not being just a gross human being who hates tinsel. That was Wells. Wells was the one who didn't want the tinsel. Dibney also backed, Dibney backed up Wells on that one. Alright, alright, but it was Wells' idea. Look, Wells is from another Earth. An Earth without tinsel. See now I'm now I'm twisting the knife in you. Yeah, you, you, you want me to you want you me mentioned to say Dibney it. to me. I'm trying to get you to to promote hashtag Team Tinsel. It is the best team, even though none of the CW shows support it except for Vibe on the Flash. Yes, it was sad when they cut when in the background later his tree had no tinsel. That's true. Just I, no, not another word was ever spoken about it. I checked that tree every time I saw it. There was yeah. no tinsel after the first scene. Tinsel Watch 2017. I'm going to keep a watch next year, too. And I expect tinsel. Yeah. Um, so. I don't I don't see why they were hating it. Cisco had a Christmas tree. It had tinsel on it. Everyone gave him shit for the tinsel. It was uncalled for. It was a very lovely tree. I thought it would look better with tinsel. I thought it did, too. Because the ornaments were sort of the color of the tree, and were just very dull colors. Well, it had kind of a two-tone blue and silver Hanukkah thing going on. Right, but the, the silver ornaments didn't stand out to me, and I thought the white or silver tinsel would have really... No, it, 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 really it made it together. pop, yeah. Yeah. 
So we've talked about wedding etiquette. We've talked about Christmas tree design. Right. Um, do we want to critique anyone's costumes? I mean, Ralph's. I know they're not too giving him a real costume yet, but I'm ready to see him in what does not look like an old gym sock. Yeah, his, his suit could use a little work. <laughs> um, I get that it's a bit, but... <laughs> um, well... We went. We uh, sort of went through character by character on Supergirl. Do you want to touch on anyone else? Joe, Cisco, Wells. I mean, Joe is kind of in that. I'm going to call it the Mister Terrific Zone, where you give him major plot developments and then no room to talk about them again for a few episodes. Yeah, like you got the cliffhanger that Cecile's pregnant, and they talked about it some on the episode after that. I don't think it was it mentioned at all in the finale. Nope. Okay. I, I think the last couple episodes. I, I know Crisis on Earth X. He wasn't around much because they no. had Wally run him to safety. But they did mention it in the first part of that. They did because he was giving his speech. That's in right. Jitters, and I actually thought, oh, he's going to propose to Cecile, Cecile right here, and that would be okay. A father daughter father son wedding would be more appropriate than. What Oliver, what Oliver and Felicity did, even if they did encourage Barry to kidnap a man to perform the ceremony. <laughs> True. <laughs> and, um, you know, let's not forget that Diggle let them do it. Well, Diggle was not really given any say in I, the matter. I get that. But he could have very well said, you know, hold on, guys, let's let them do theirs, and then we'll do another one for you later. I think Diggle just wanted anything to draw out having to be flashed around again. I would also point out that all four of them got married next to a puddle of Diggle's vomit. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the little things that make the scene. Now, now I, I, I do have a, a technical question. Okay. As, as someone who has never attended a wedding... How did Diggle's clothes not burst into flame in the speed for, or as Barry was running, even though he was not in a protective garb? That, that is a good question, but not technically wedding related. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a minister perform a wedding nude? I've not. I don't think I want to either. Look, if that's what you're into, that's fine. But it is not traditional for the minister to be nude. Right. <laughs> My my real question, um, so how does this whole best man maid of honor thing work? Because I know when they first started getting married under Diggle, Oliver was the best man, and then Felicity was the maid of honor, and then they were also bride and groom. Were they each other's best men and, and maids of honor? I guess being kidnapped by a very fast guy. And then throwing up on his shoes and marrying him and his fiance and you and your fiance counts as being a best man. <laughs> it's just sort of weird to think that they're, that Oliver would be the best man in that scenario. Well, I would have, frankly, were I Barry, I would have picked Cisco. I think di didn't he have someone else first? Because I know at the end of that weird bachelorette party episode, uh, Iris had promised Caitlin the maid of honor spot. Yeah. I guess it was probably just that spur of the moment thing. 
Although, I mean, you never really... They never really say Felicity is Iris's maid of honor. Didn't they? Did they? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look in the scene in the church, see how they were staged. Oh, I, I, I just think at the end, because I thought there was a quick line about how... I mean, at the end, they were the only the people there, yeah. so they kind of had to be. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, um, I mean, but they, I think early in the first part of the episode, I think Barry did refer to Oliver as his best man when they were getting their tuxes fitted. Right. Um, and it, Oliver would not have been my first pick if I were Barry. Not even knowing what I know about Oliver's behavior. It would have been Cisco. Or even Wally. Joe? It that, could have been Joe. Well, in this particular situation, I would not have made... I would not have presumed it to be Joe simply because Joe also would have... If, assuming it were a traditional wedding, right. Joe would have been giving away iris right right like iris as biological daughter would have kind of had dibs on joe and her party even though joe really is kind of both of their parties right cisco is the best friend or wally is the brother would have made the most sense yeah yeah all right um and now he's going to trial for having killed a man who he didn't kill. Oh, right, right. We, we're yeah, coming we should, back to the we should talk thing. about that. See, this is why I take the segues when they present themselves. Right. Okay, I get it now. Um, this is what I get for thinking, you know, I like this actor playing the thinker. I'm glad he's around. He's going to be a great a great character to keep seeing develop through this. Oh, darn it. <laughs> the thinker's still around. Yeah, and hopefully, I don't know the actor's name, but it's... The character was Dominic. Does a good you know, job I, with him. I liked him in the in the episode he was in. Yeah. Um, but I liked the kind of I don't know old calculated, that sort of frail but dangerous thing he had going on. Yeah. There's um, I can't remember which book it is. Uh, there was a complexity to him that. Right. Right. There's um. There's a screenwriting book that I've been reading. Um. I can't remember which one it is. I have like three of them that I'm working on. And it talks about how a villain needs to have some sort of like power over the uh, hero in yeah. some way. And I, 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 I've watched like video essays on like The Dark Knight that talk about this book and like how the Joker has power over Batman, even though he's like in prison and everything. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see characters like the thinker who have power but not like physical power over their their protagonists i mean i think of some of my favorite genre performances and they are kind of in this type of frail some way broken older intellect like I think there's a strong case to be argued that one of the best sci-fi TV characters ever written is Walter Bishop on Fringe, who okay. is maybe the person that the thinker most reminds me of. Okay. Um, I've not seen Fringe. No, you need to watch Fringe. Uh, maybe, maybe once, uh, maybe once summer rolls around. That's and there okay. Are less shows That's on. fine. But it's very good. Walk into it knowing as little about it as humanly possible. Okay. Um. But it has some great writing and some great acting and some really clever plot stuff. Walter Bishop, when you meet him, is this older man who's been 
basically abandoned in a mental institution. He's a scientist who experimented on others, but also on himself in the 70s. All kinds of, like, psychotropic drugs and things like that. Um, like he is very, very damaged. Okay. But absolutely brilliant. And... You see him be, through the course of this show, both that sort of kind, broken, incomparable intellect, but also at times you get to see him be just cold and calculating and ruthless. And I don't know, there's something, something so fascinating in seeing someone play both of those types at the same time. Right, because it's a, it's a fine line to tread. It is, and I think it takes a lot more finesse to do it successfully. And I really liked what the thinker, the, the thinker who we've seen so far in this season, right, has been doing. Um, you talk, I'm going to look up that actor's name. Okay. Um, well, I, I actually was about ready to move to Legends. I don't think I have oh. much more to talk about on Flash. Um, okay, that's fine. But I, I I agree with you. I really like the the thinkers so far. And to be fair, I think the 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 new guy who's going to be playing the th- the thinker. I've liked what I've seen of him so far. I think he's going to be an interesting. He's going to continue to be an interesting foe for Barry. Right. Uh, I also think it's going to be interesting to see how um, the thinker's wife develops. Neil Sandilands. Neil Sand the actor. The actor. Yes, Neil Sandilands. Um. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I was saying, I think it's going to be interesting to see how his wife develops now that um, you know he's got a new body, and yeah, we've sort of seen her sympathize with Barry a little bit, or at least maybe maybe it was sort of an implied sim- sympathizing group. Yeah, I don't, the 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 kind of read I have on her is that she is not in and of itself an evil person, but she's very loyal and will do whatever it takes to keep Clifford alive. Right. I think for her it's a very calculated, in one way cold, because she doesn't care who she steps on, but in another way very caring for this one person. Right. It's the opposite of the Star Trek things. In her case, the needs of the one come before the needs of the many. Right. And she could do, with, with her intellect, amazing things in her own right. Oh, yeah. But instead, she is so dedicated to this one specific person that that kind of drives her to do evil things, you know, bad things for good reasons. Yeah. yeah. I don't really have anything to add no. to that. That's, that's no. a pretty good... But Barry's going to trial. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see the trial of the Flash. Yeah, it should be interesting. Didn't they drop that hint at the end of the first season? They did. They dropped it. They referred to the Flash Museum. They showed a Legion flight ring. A um, Legion flight ring. The Legion of Superheroes, they have these rings that have their, like the Legion logo. They're an L with a little star. Oh. And they give you flight. Booster Gold wears one. When Booster Gold comes back in time, he steals a Legion flight ring and the suit and the time bubble. From the museum, that's how he comes back in time. He can oh. fly because he has a stolen legion ring. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that means? Do you think that means that maybe they'll tie Supergirl into that universe a little more with the legion? 
I think anything's possible. I think that the Flash probably has a habit of, because it knows that time travel's a part of its show, I think it has a habit of seeding things that are major ideas that it will get to eventually if it gets a chance and hitting enough of them that they all feel reasonably uh, 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 possible. Okay. So I think the Legion ring was probably that. It was just a... Well, that's a cool thing to drop in. We could bring it back or we could not. Yeah. But I would I would like to see Supergirl looped in a little more. I would too. Yeah. I, I, it's nice enough, I guess, to have the button that opens the yeah. reach or whatever, but... Yeah. Cisco's a much better scientist than any of those Nazis. Oh, yeah. Because his is a button and theirs is a building. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Legends? Legends. Legends. The of God the of Hidden War. Temple. With Bebo, the god of war. Yes, Bebo is... I hope everyone listening has a happy Bebo day. Me too. Bebo day is one of the most important holidays. And you know what I hear about Bebo? What's that? Bebo's hungry. Hungry for war? Hungry for love. Aww. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure I've actually asked you... Did you like Bebo? Bebo was so delightfully stupid to me that I couldn't not love him. I liked Bebo a lot. Okay. And and not just because it reminds me of weird stories from, like, honestly, my youth minister back when I was in church a lot. So, to back up and give this context, the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow starts with the younger 1970s-ish Martin Stein trying to get a Tickle Me Bebo for his daughter for Hanukkah. Right. And inexplicably, getting pulled back in time to when the Vikings were in North America. And they mistake his Tickle Me Bebo, or not Tickle Me Bebo, what was it? Cuddle Me Bebo? Cuddle Me Bebo. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking Rub Me Bebo, and that did not sound right. <laughs> no. Cuddle me, Bebo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Vikings mistake the cuddle me, Bebo, for a god. I, I do want I do want to go back a little bit because there's there's the sound cue, the sound cue. That is a uh, when he is trying to get the Bebo. They're sold out, but there's a display Bebo on a high shelf. Right, and, and everyone's so, rushing it. And so Martin grabs this toy bow and arrow. And you hear the arrow theme play as he shoots a, a plane into a sort of Rube Goldberg machine type thing. Yeah, to knock Bebo backward toward him. Yeah. Uh, no, that was great. That was just some excellent sound design. Right oh, yeah. I, I love that sort of attention to detail. Yeah. And I don't know that I've seen it anywhere outside of Legends, honestly. You get shades of it in Supergirl and in its own way. Yeah. But it doesn't get to play as connected as like legends has the most room to acknowledge other things because it's entirely born of the other shows. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's fair. Um, so I don't know that there's a whole, whole lot just in terms of the general plot of the episode to get into. Like the legends go to save young Stein and stop Bebo from leading the Vikings to conquer the U S. Yep. Um, but we get some character stuff. Right. We get 
the most terrifying and bizarre character the legends have ever faced. Leo Snart. Yes. Ooh. The alternate universe Captain Cold, Citizen Cold, who wants to lead everyone through grief counseling after the events of Earth X, and who wants to get Mick sober, and who wants everyone to talk about their feelings. <laughs> yeah. He is a lot more touchy feely than Leonard Snart. I like that their idea of how do we do the inverse of Leonard Snart is. Well, Leonard Snart never wanted to talk about anything, so we're just going to let Leo talk. A, be the most touchy-feely character out there. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's honestly it's a little weird to to see him after ha- having played that version of Snart for so long be this very involved character. Yeah, it works. It does, but it it's just it's so strange to see him so involved. If you ask it, me. It is. Um, and I guess we need to talk about the big spoiler from Earth-X. That Stein dies. Yeah. Which I would have rather have seen him. Even if he never showed up again on the show. I wish he could have just had a happy ending. Like, Yeah. Because they, they had set him up for it. Like, and they don't ever acknowledge this directly, but he never got to meet his grandchild. Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. um, he was there when the grandchild was born. Oh, that's right. They took the, a couple of episodes earlier, they took the time ship back. Yeah. But so he was going to retire and be the father he never actually got to be and be a grandfather and <coughs> never got to do any of that. And... Yeah. Ugh. It's... It's not, it's hard to explain, because I feel like I care more about the fact that he died than I would have. I mean, it's a more, well, and and to contrast it, at the end of the mid-season finale, Jax leaves. Right. And Jax leaving felt like, okay, well, he'll be back eventually. Like, just inevitably, he'll show up again at some point. Yeah. And I get that killing Stein makes it feel more permanent. But I also think there's a way to let him have what he wants and let that feel permanent. Right. Like, there's a way to frame he's home and gets to basically just be retired and enjoy his family. That feels like a final permanent thing. Yeah. And I would have liked to see that. Yeah. I would have... Um, you know, instead of a funeral, maybe just see him with his family for a scene. Yeah. And that would have been a lot of fun and very touching in its own way. Yeah. Um, especially with, especially with Jax also having left the team now, like the bulk of that, there, there's in, in Earth X, there's a sort of not torch passing, but this whole you are my family, you need to go be with them and help them through this, and there's this sort of emotional task that he's given in that episode that felt like it should have been more than that episode. Yeah. That doesn't get acknowledged again after that episode. Like, it's not acknowledged as part of why he leaves the team. 
Yeah. So, I don't I, know. It It was fine. I thought it was well done. I just... I'm a person who likes... I'm a person who is more impressed by a well-executed happy ending that doesn't just feel contrived right. than I am by the sad ending. The sad ending always feels easy. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen the sort of like happy ending for a superhero story either. It's That's super true. rare. Like, Dark Knight Rises did it. Everyone got mad about it, but Dark Knight Rises did it, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I just, I can't, maybe it's just, I haven't spread a lot of well, comics or anything, but it's, it's a conceit of the form. It's the, the serialized storytelling is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, especially with A-list characters, their stories never end. So you're constantly in this state of what is a very sort of true to life there's always this next thing around the corner. Sometimes things are good and sometimes things are bad and that's just how life works. Right. But at the same time, the the, the flip side of that, the, the negative to that is in serialized storytelling, you never actually get to see an end of a story. Not a canonical one, at least. Right. And even... I mean, you, you, if it's like a TV show, especially, you have to have plans for the next season. Right. And then if you, get, if you don't get the next season, then you just sort of have to figure out how to end it where you're at. But I... I think that's true of TV shows in general. I think that is... I think there are different structures to serialized storytelling depending on what you're talking about. Like, comics and soap operas are one kind of serialized storytelling where functionally your goal is to always run infinitely. Right. Um, Your goal is to run so long that no one will have watched you or read you from start to finish. Whereas most TV shows are conceived to be, if not from day one finite, most TV shows know they're eventually going to end. Right. I think it's possible to write satisfying ends of arcs for TV shows that still leave a door open. The show that did it out of necessity very well and probably more than anything was chuck i haven't finished chuck how much of it have you watched i think i'm two and a half seasons in he met his father i think okay you should have you should have at least run into this a few times now where chuck always lived on the bubble every season conceivably felt like it could have been its last to the point where it was often picked up half seasons at a time Mm mm-hmm in the five seasons that Chuck ran, I did the math once. There are something like six series finales huh. in five seasons. Huh. Um, look at... Uh, some of them are like mid-seasons. Some of them are end of seasons. There was, I think, like season three, maybe, is the only end or like season finale that wasn't written as a series finale. There was one season where they knew they were going to get a pickup. But even in the middle of their season, they had an end. There were a lot of ends, and usually those ends were some form of Chuck and Sarah riding off into the sunset. Yeah. Or Chuck reunited with someone. Um, 
Okay. I mean, it's been a while, but I definitely yeah. remember, like, episodes where, like, they updated the, um... Yeah. What's it called? The Intersect. The Intersect, yes. Yeah. Um... So I'm guessing, like, the episodes before those were finale-type things. Yeah, usually. Okay. Um... So it's definitely possible. I think comics and stories based on comics tend to not... And it makes sense. If you're adapting comics from existing storylines... Right. Even though the storyline may end, especially in modern storytelling, there's still some hook to the next arc. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be the next thing. There's never that sense of closure. Right. So... When you get to something like making Steins, and I mean, Victor Garber was leaving the show. They had to do something. Right. <sighs> making it feel permanent, I think, was necessary, but I don't know that I Buy Death is any more permanent on these shows as I do someone just saying, okay, I'm going home to be with my family. I think if Snart proves anything, it's that death isn't permanent. Well, death well, does not discriminate. It's true. It takes and it takes and it takes. But and they keep living anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they do. Um. But I'm 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 in, I enjoyed what Legends has done so far. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Malice show up because or Mollus Mollusk. No, he's not a bivalve. Um, <laughs> looking forward to seeing Mollus show up because it is John Noble who played Walter Bishop on Fringe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At least he's the voice of him. Um, I also think we, we saw the beginnings of Sarah's new romantic relationship in the, se- the series mid-season finale. Right. Yeah, because of um, it was just the... The character who you referred to as generic Sarah. Discount Time Bureau Sarah. Discount Time Bureau Sarah. Though that, that was my exact word. Yeah. And then immediately after I called her that, because I, I write notes when I'm yeah. watching the shows, because I watch them after they air on account of not having cable. Um, I, I wrote in a note that um, I was sad they were using Discount Time Bureau Sarah instead of Gary. Gary is the man. I want Gary to drink that spider power potion. <laughs> but then the next thing that... Um, no, I can't remember her name, and I feel even worse. Sharp, Ava Sharp. Is that yes? A, okay, yeah. The next thing, Ava she Sharp, said, Evelyn Sharp. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't. They shouldn't be related. No, right? I, okay. I think that's entirely accidental. Okay, I just I want to make sure because I didn't really care about Evelyn Sharp at all. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the next thing she said was something about not being the husband type, and then I was like, oh, that's what you meant by they're setting that up, that love interest uh-huh. thing. And now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should. Um, <laughs> although I'd still prefer seeing Sarah and Alex. Um, <laughs> I, I maybe we'll get to know Ava a little better. Yeah, and she'll be just as interesting. Um, you know who we are going to get to know better though. Is it Gary? I mean, hopefully. But I was going <laughs> to say John Constantine. Ooh, yes. I know you are very excited. I am. I loved Constantine. I've seen a bunch of a bunch of online outlets 
make it sound like, oh, Constantine's joining the show. I think he's just going to be on like a couple episodes. I don't I, think he's a permanent addition. Yeah, I don't think so either. As much as I would be okay with I would love that. I'd yeah. be okay with it. But the showrunners have said that there is going to be another Arrowverse character permanently joining the roster to take Jax's place. Huh. Which, I think basically you only have two options. Yeah? Um, from a very pragmatic point of view, they need to find a new engineer for the ship. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I can think of two characters who would not necessarily create major holes by moving from the shows they're on. The less likely of the two is Curtis, Mr. Terrific. Right. Because you did have that moment in the crossover where he was super excited to be on the ship. Yeah. Um, but, and this is something that I know you've wanted for a while to happen, but I think the most likely is probably Wally. Wally West? Yeah. Hey. I mean, what was Wally before he became a speedster? Oh, yeah, he was an engineer. Yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with him joining the ship. Yeah. I mean, especially since he hasn't really been around much this exactly season. And speedsters love to time travel. At least he can do it in a ship. Plus, he is already friends with Nate. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Me too, a little bit. But that'll be interesting if they do that. Yeah. I'm... Hmm... I don't know, I'm curious to see how they would do that. I mean, they say, hey, we need an engineer. Hop on board. We know you're not busy. What is it, Hub City that he's in? I think so. Um, what is it? They have, like, Hub, and there's, like, a Gym City? Or is it Opal City? Something like that? Opal Cities. I mean, they have the Gym Cities. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Detroit, where Vixen works. Yeah. Keystone. Keystone, yeah. And Keystone's, I think, supposed to be the closest to Central City. What was the one he went to this season? Was it Blue something, maybe? Like Blue Springs? Blue Springs, that was it, yeah. Okay. Is that from anything? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I think he may have hung out there in the comics. Ah. I've read some of the Mark Wade Wally West stuff. Mm -hmm. I've read... Some of the Grant Morrison, uh, no. Was the Grant Morrison Wally or Barry? I think the Grant Morrison was Wally. I read the Grant Morrison Mark Miller. Is that the one that I have? Some of? Maybe. Because I know I have uh, Barry Allen stuff. No, you've got the Brian Bucciolato. That's it, yeah. Yeah, and then I've got, and I've read some of the Jeff John. So I've read like random spots throughout Wally's time as the Flash. Okay. <laughs> um... And in what I've read, he's been in Keystone and Central City, but I, uh, I, maybe while he was with the Titans group? I don't know. I don't know. I read something about Blue City and where it came from, but I did not retain it. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would be excited to see him on the ship. Yeah. I, I, I would also take John Constantine. I know he's not an engineer, but... No, he's not. I feel like... I mean, Constantine... I, I don't could see... probably learn how to work the ship some... Ray's, Ray's a little nutty professor to be the engineer, though. Ray tends to get himself in trouble a lot when he tinkers, too. 
How long did he spend stuck tiny, presumed dead? Months. Yeah. 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 All right, on to Arrow. Arrow. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything left on Legends. There's not. Okay. On to Arrow. Arrow, where they started out with their big fat wedding celebration. Yeah, I. This season of Arrow. I don't know that there's anything I've particularly disliked about it. But I also don't feel like I really have a vested interest in what's going on right now. Like, they've, they've had some really solid episodes. Yeah. But I but... don't know what the overarching thing for the Arrow coming out of... I mean, okay, he's being investigated and things are looking bad. Right, and there's like some big villain organization that's after him now. Which was the big twist reveal from the mid-season finale. And that's cool. I'm super excited to see how that goes. Yeah. Who else is that? It's the... Um, the it's... The new hacker guy. Yeah. Um, what's his name from Person of Interest? I've never seen Person of Interest. I haven't either. All I know is he built a computer system that was a precog in Person of Interest, and now he plays a computer guy in this. Huh. Um. Um, but then you've also got Evil Laurel and Richard yeah. Dragon, is that his name? Richard Dragon. Um, yeah. and KG Beast. Yes, Anatoly. I am excited to see him around. Um. I hope they'll really put some weight on, use use some of that weight with um, Oliver's past and use him some. Yeah, I uh, I like this idea that they've been working in concert, um, and that everyone's kind of been chipping away intentionally. And that the show hasn't let us know that until now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're in like, and I don't know. Maybe that's all it is. Is I don't, I don't know what their end game is. And I feel like I feel like the thing I bump into with about half of the superhero shows that are on or half of the comic shows that are on TV is they like to take their time to make any sort of change. Like you get your big status quo changes at the beginning of the season, the mid-season finale, and the end of the season. Yeah. Whereas some of the non-superhero comic shows will upset the apple cart every other episode. I, I can think of one. <laughs> I mean, I can think of three. Which we'll be getting to. Yeah. But... Episode to episode, I've really been enjoying Arrow. Yeah. I feel like there's more room to actually do things that have consequence. Yeah. Flash I, has been a little better about it. It's introduced some new characters subtly or you know gradually. I, it's I think done it's, some things. I think Flash is definitely better this season than it was last season. Yes. I think, I think I'm it's liking hard to get worse than last season. I'm liking Arrow better this season than I did last season. Like yeah. all in all, I think they're both generally solid. I think Arrow is more consistent. It has fewer episodes that I'm down on the Flash has had a couple this season, right? But what I'd like to see both do more of, and Legends does this very well, but I'd like to see them mess with the status quo a little more and actually have not just tease it either. Like 
the Felicity being paralyzed thing. I'm glad that didn't stick because I did not like that. Right. But it affected the status quo for a couple of episodes and then it went back to normal. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe I feel that the most of the arrow because it's the one that's been on the air the longest. I feel like it probably has the most to benefit by being a little more... Not even risky. I don't think it's a risk for it, but being a little more... Fluid? Yeah, just being more willing to change and reinvent and do new different things to shake itself up more. I could I could see that, yeah. Like, and it's, it's little things. It's like, I went into last year's mid-season finale thinking, okay, this is clearly setting him up to publicly unmask. I think we even had that conversation then. Right. You know what I feel like? After watching this year's mid-season finale? He's going to unmask? I think it's setting him up to unmask. Hmm. <laughs> I think... Maybe? <laughs> I, I, I don't really see why you, why you would do a big... Not really a B-plot or secondary villain, but this whole FBI thing and not have him do that. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's... Because then you could, I feel like if you ever tried to do it again, then it would feel like a rehash that's just so drawn out. Well, and maybe some of its wishful thinking is, a lot of last season too was, and the show in general has been tension around his actions as Green Arrow being outside of the law. Right. And I feel like the only way you get around that is to kind of unmask and be public and be visible and be... You know, display some level of accountability. In the, in this world they've built, I feel like that's the only way he gets to move the dial on that at all. Right. And they've, they've also... Um, they're making, they make a big deal out of the separation between the two right now. Yeah. And so I think it would definitely be a good move for them to sort of say these are the same thing now. And have it move forward from there. Yeah. I think it would really revitalize the story in a way. Yeah. So, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about with... I'd love to see, especially Arrow, start taking more risks with it, start changing its status quo a little more and moving into new territory. It's okay to reinvent yourself as a TV show, I think. Yeah, I think this season would have been a really ideal time to do it since they had just wrapped up the... Prometheus. Yeah, no, the five-year Oh, yeah, 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 that too. Yeah. Um, And weren't we... This is sort of a tangent, but... Didn't they talk about doing more flashbacks of other people this season? Yes, but I'm okay with that not having come to bear. I am too. I just was curious if that was like coming in the next part of the season or if they had just given up on it. I'm kind of hoping the letter... Only because, like, what do we get to see? Felicity, when the show started, was pretty young, and we've seen her in her hacker days already. Yeah. There's not necessarily a whole lot more to that that's going to feel super relevant. Unless they bring back her hacker ex-boyfriend and brother I again. Yeah. Um, Diggle would be military stuff, and I just, I don't, I don't have any interest in seeing Diggle in Iraq or Afghanistan. That, that is a thing that just isn't interesting to me. Wild Dog plays like he's about 12 years old anyway, so what are you going to flashback to on him? Yeah, and that just leaves 
Curtis and Dinah. Leaves Curtis and Dinah, and you've already got the important parts of Dinah's backstory, I think. Right, and I think, I think of any of them, maybe she's the one where there is some room to to flesh out some stuff that could become relevant. Yeah, because um, she was a cop and she could do these things. Maybe you could flesh out Quentin somewhat and show his time as just a beat cop. I don't know. You know what might be interesting. I use might uh, very strongly. Um, I would be interested to see, because they sort of talked about how um, evil Laurel's life was different yeah, because Quentin wasn't there. And so I would be interested to see sort of like um, like one of those diverging path episodes almost. Yeah, sliding doors. Yeah, where you get to see sort of like a little bit of Laurel's childhood and then a little bit... Of evil Laurel's childhood and how, yeah. it, how it differs because Quentin's not there. That I think would make a good episode. I don't need that to stretch yeah. over a season. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see where Arrow goes. I don't know that I've got anything deep or insightful to say about it beyond I'd love to see it shake things up with more frequency. Yeah. And I want to get onto some other stuff. We're already running a little long. Okay. Um, Lucifer. Lucifer is one of these shows that will just reinvent itself every other week. Oh, yeah. This season, I feel like, has done a little less of that. But I've kind of liked what it's done structurally instead. Where it's been a lot of... Almost like one-shots in episode form. Right. And it's taken time to explore pairings of characters who you haven't gotten to see together much. Right. Like, like seeing Maze and... Uh, Dan? Thank you. All I was coming up with was Detective Douche. <laughs> um, like seeing Maze and Dan in Canada together. Yeah. Um, I loved the episode about the guy who turned out to be the doctor's ex-husband. That one was really good, yeah. Um, and that episode did the thing that is always my favorite thing in TVs and movies, where, as an audience member, where it's going is not necessarily super obvious the whole time, mm-hmm. but it gives you the pieces so that it clicks right before the reveal. Yeah. You don't spend the whole time obsessing over, oh, hey, this is the thing it's doing, I can see all the pieces line up. You don't see the seams in the thing, but they let you catch it right before they say it. Um, and I thought it was very satisfying for that episode in particular for one specific reason, which was the episode flashes back to basically when the series began. The episode spans three years of time. Yeah. And I spent a lot of the ep- probably the first half of the episode... Wondering, was this even necessary? Like, wondering why... Why try to retcon this in? Why do that? But the twist at the end that... The the ex-husband has died, but is also reliving this cycle ad infinitum because he's in hell, and this is his torment... Kind of earns the retcon. Yeah. Like, it is still going on. It is not simply an act and a series of moments that are in the past. It is still 
perpetually playing out. So you could plug this episode in whenever because it's... It is his hell. It is his eternity. Oh, yeah. The only thing in this season that I have been just a little underwhelmed by was the reveal of the Sinner Man. Why is that? Because I'd never seen him before. Okay. Um, it is 100% that. Um, but and you, you've seen this week's episode, right? You are caught y- up. Yes, yes. Okay. I've seen this week's episode to the end. But even then, and like this was this week's episode, so I know I haven't been saying spoilers every time, but spoilers. this one did air more recently than any of the other stuff we've talked about so far. Yeah. To learn that the lieutenant is Kane. You kind of get the big twist that... Because that, that's kind of... I don't know that I ever had an actual reason to think, oh, he's going to be the Sinner Man himself. Mm-hmm. But there has been this sort of pervasive sense all season that there's something more to him. And again, I think it's that sort of meta-structural thing of, you know, they really haven't spent a lot of time delving into him or who he is or his past. You know very little about this guy who's in every episode. Right. And a show that trades a lot in character backstory. Um, I never would have guessed that he was Kane. Oh, I had a different guess. I never would have guessed that he was pulling the strings behind the Sinner Man, which is what's at least implied or insinuated by Lucifer there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's true or not, we don't technically know. Right. But I, I did have a guess as to who he was, but it wasn't Kane. Did you think he was that character whose name we saw in the file in the yes, episode? Yes, because I, I I looked him up, and I think I read a very short description, and if I remember right, it said he was an incubus. And there was a lot of stuff about, like, Ella and Chloe, yeah. like, just fawning over him in a way. See, the description, I, do you remember that character's name? I do Gaudium. not. Gaudium. The description I read played him as kind of a trickster, and that's the only reason why I did not think that that the see the the chief, not the lieutenant, I guess the chief, captain, captain, is that the word? I think maybe captain. I don't know. I've never been good at like ranks of <laughs> yeah, me neither. Hierarchical command structures. Um, Superman. Superman. He was Superman in Smallville. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was Superman in Smallville. Um, the only reason I didn't think he was Gaudium was because what I read about him made him sound like a trickster, and this character did not come across as trickster to me at all. Mm. But yeah, Lucifer, I, I I continue to enjoy this show. It is... I do too. It is. It, it lives in that place that I never... I mean, even, what, two and a half, three, se- three and a half, se- how long has it been on? Two and a half seasons now. Yes, we're in, we're in season three. Two and a half seasons, and I'm still like, okay, well, this can't keep being as good as it is. And it always does. Or yeah. even, even if there is that moment that kind of, I question, like the first half of that episode that wound up being probably my favorite of the season so far, or yeah. the Sinner Man reveal, there's always that twist that comes at the end that moves things forward in a more interesting way than otherwise anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know you said the reveal wasn't 
a huge deal for you. And it wasn't for me either, but I thought the way that they played the Cinderman after he showed up. Yeah. I was very impressed with it. Yeah, like I liked I liked the move of him gouging the eyes. Like I liked the chess game that was the last five minutes of the second to last episode of this half of the season and right. this week's episode. Right. There was a brief moment where I actually had to Google and look up is the Sinner Man the Corinthian in Sandman, which is what Lucifer spun out of. Mm-hmm. There's this character called the Corinthian whose mouth is a mouth, but also his eyes are two mouths. Weird. Um, if you've ever seen the meme of Donald Trump's mouth photoshopped over his eyes. Yes. It's that. I always think of the Corinthian when I see that. Okay. Um, (laughs) which is maybe an apt and fitting thing for other reasons, but moving on. Um, I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen the center man around a little more. I feel like. Yeah. And again, the, the whole the cane reveal I think moves it into a different twist and there are other more satisfying ways to go. There's a part of me that expected him to be present more. Like, cause I think I was a little disappointed because I'd never seen him before. I also would have liked to see him for more than two episodes. I mean, yeah, I, th- I wanted him to feel a little more formidable. I, I think part of what it is, and it, I think it has to do with those one shot episodes, sort of the sort of one shot things a little because those came in, and they never really talked about the Cinnamon even during those. And there were, what, like four of them in a row? Yeah, there were a few there. And maybe it's just like, now that he's contextualized as the apprentice, the fact that I haven't seen as much of him doesn't necessarily bother me. Right. But up until the last five minutes of this episode, I expected him to be, I don't know, divine or more threatening or... I thought that, I think they did a really good job with him in certain ways. No, I do too. Like, um, and this is I think part of what I end up liking so much about the way this show constantly reinvents and moves forward, and like a thing that could have been a whole season. I'm sitting here saying I would have watched half a season, a whole season of the Sinner Man and Lucifer. It makes two episodes of it. At the end of the day, it's you hear the name in the first episode but really it's two episodes right and then it moves on to the next thing and i think i like i i know i like that about it i think part of why i like it is it leaves me to do a lot of the kind of figuring out homework for myself between episodes like there's not so it's not they don't beat the horse so much there's nothing left to think about there's nothing left to kind of try to piece together right I never get sick of the thing. So I'm sitting here saying, yeah, you know, maybe it could have been a little different. But at the same time, like, I don't know that there actually is a better way to do it differently. Yeah. Um, honestly, it reminded me um, the Dark Knight a little bit. Because, and I, I know that sounds weird to say, um, but like I was saying earlier with um, like the, the screenwriting book I've been reading about how uh, it has to do with a difference in power. And I thought it was very unique the way that maybe the Cinnamon didn't have more power over Lucifer, but just kept denying him his own. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I thought that was a really unique way to go with a like even a minor yeah. villain sort of thing. Well, and all of his power over Lucifer comes from not knowing that really he wants Lucifer to do what it is that Lucifer wants to do. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I 
this is if we weren't recording this podcast, I'd sit here thinking about this episode just on and off until the show came back, and then be like, okay, yeah, no, this was this was great. Um, you you want any other last word on there? Uh, I don't have a lot on Lucifer. I okay. I, I feel like the cinema was the big thing this week. Yeah. Um. I mean, Kane. Kane was the big thing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the Sinner Man working for someone else who ended up being Kane. And what I love about what I love about the Kane thing is, there's nothing in that that actually says they're going to have an antagonistic relationship. What's the last line of the episode? Uh, you might as well pour me one too. Exactly. Like they sit down and they have a drink together. Yeah, and I'm. I'd be, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it because I think it could be a little bit like, well, and I say very little bit like last season with Charlotte Richards, and you know she showed up and she seemed antagonistic at first, yeah. I think, but then she ended up being sort of part of the team, and having to prove herself as this maternal figure, yeah, and giving herself a nice arc to go through. She and Trixie were adorable. Oh yeah. Um. Riverdale. Riverdale. We did skip over a CW show. We didn't skip it. I was I was coming back to it. Okay. Um, Riverdale is the other one for me that just constantly reinvents itself and never ends in the same place it begins. And it is bonkers, wackadoo, insane show that I should not love as much as I do, and yet here I am. 100% agree. <laughs> um, like, I, I remember it coming, it starting to come on last season, and I watched it because you watched it and you were like, it's really good. And I, I didn't even want to like it, but I ended up I didn't it want to like it either. I, but gradually, I'm like, I enjoy this thing very much. To be fair, I've never used the word good to describe it. I've never once used the adjective good. Okay. I'm not going to say it's not good. It, it's but that's certain... too black and white an adjective for what the show is. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Um, well done. How about that? It is such a perfect execution of what it wants to be that I can't not love it for just living in its own weird, bonkers, insane, dark, Betty, weird use of show tunes truth. Okay. <laughs> So much of what happens in this show shouldn't work, but they find a way to make it work. Yeah. On paper saying, Veronica and Josie and the Pussycats kick the crap out of a date rapist set to Out Tonight, which they were performing five minutes earlier themselves, while Jughead pledges a gang, (laughs) should not be good. It should not work. And yet that is... Probably my favorite scene of the season. And I would argue a better use of Out Tonight than In Rent itself. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Out Tonight In Rent. Alright. Yeah. Um, Betty's strange, sad pole dance was a little less... Uh, that was pretty weird. It was a weird moment. I don't know... That is one of the few moments on the show where I've legitimately not known exactly what it is they were going for in that moment. Yeah. Um, I think part of it was that she also was singing the song, too, since... 
Well, it, they kind of cut to like her on tape because it got echoey, and then she came back, and like there was right, a, like actual music cue in there that indicated the change. But it was just weird to see her like go up to the mic and sing, and then go back well, to this weird. It's very impressive that Betty Cooper was able to predict the behavior of everyone around her to the point where she knew when she needed to change the song to the key she sings in, and when. She should have go ahead. She should go ahead and have her own backup vocals pre-recorded for herself. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the mid-season finale for this, mm-hmm. and Riverdale does because it is so so nuts in in its seasons. I do think one of the structural things it kind of has adopted is in its, you see it in the second episode of this season and you see it in, I think the second to last episode before mid season, like last week's episode. Right. Because it moves so much and everyone changes so much week to week. And in general, like they make it feel there is a train of thought. You can follow these, these arcs through. You do have, before and after stopping points where they take hiatuses or when they come back, you do have these episodes that are kind of, all right, we need to sort of push everyone into this one direction that we need them to be all moving in for this episode. Yeah. There's a sort of shepherding that happened in the second episode of the season that happened in last week's episode. Um, And one was, getting out of the fallout of the first season and into the action of this season. And this one is kind of getting everyone into these each individual isolated places that I'm guessing probably will make them easy prey for the Black Hood. I haven't actually seen a trailer for the mid-season finale. I don't think I've watched it either. Um, I'm assuming that we'll learn the identity of the Black Hood because... Before the season started, I read an interview where they said they were going they weren't going to make that reveal take all season to find. Okay. So I'm hoping that we get that reveal. And I still think it's Chick Cooper. <laughs> That's uh the brother. Betty's the brother. Comments, right? Okay. We know he exists in Riverdale. Oh right, right, because there was the line. She gave the up the baby. Scene. Right. But she didn't abort it the way What's-His-Face wanted her to. Hal. Hal, yes. Yeah. Um, so we know we know Chick exists. That's In true. theory. And he would be older than Betty. Yep. The, the person under the mask has older-looking eyes. Yeah. Although he wouldn't necessarily... Unless he's been watching her her whole life and stalking her which is possible because he is clearly a creepy creepy man whoever the black mask is yeah he would not necessarily have direct knowledge of her love of nancy drew although i feel like that's a pretty easy thing to guess about betty cooper (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe maybe um especially with just who she is yeah like she's the investigative journalist whose parents are both journalists. She read some. She read some Harley, not Harley Quinn. Wow, she read some Nancy Drew books. <laughs> um, 
So, I, I do want to ask, where do you think the mid-season is going to go? Do you think they'll, like, kill someone off, or what What are your predictions, if you have any? I don't know. Um, there are enough plot lines that I don't really know where necessarily they're going. That make it hard for... And that's part of what I like about the show is... Most shows I watch, I'm trying to solve the puzzle as I watch them. Mm -hmm. There's really no guessing where Riverdale's going to go episode to episode. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I I do think we're probably due for the reveal on the Black Hood. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have that real because I think I'd, I, I'd like to move into, even if we know and the characters don't, I'd like to move into the next stage of that. Right. Um, I feel like we're probably drawing towards some sort of conflict with, uh, Cheryl and Josie. I was going to ask you about that because that has felt the most out of place to me. Well, they're clearly building that moment out of Josie and Veronica and the Pussycats stopping the date rape. Right. Um, Like, that is why Cheryl has sort of affixed herself to Josie. Because it started out with the, oh, I need to to thank you somehow, let me introduce you to, uh, let me introduce you to this record executive or whatever. Right. Um, I think maybe that can come to it. I have this weird, I don't know, conspiratorial thing that seems fitting for Riverdale in the back of my mind that if it is Chick Cooper, it is probably Chick Cooper working with Cheryl Blossom. Mm -hmm. And I have no reason to think that except Cheryl still owes vengeance to a lot of people for ruining her life. And you know she thinks that way and you know she's not going to let stuff go. Yeah. And you see her sitting here isolating Josie the same way the Black Hood is isolating uh, Betty. Yeah. So, similar MOs. Um, I don't know. I'm okay with not knowing, but I'd like to, I'd like to know who the Black Hood is. I'd like that to be a thing, for sure. Okay. Um, last one, I think, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. Well, I've only seen the first two episodes of the season. Are we three or four in? I think we're three in. Okay. Well, I've gotten to the end of the second one where uh, Cassius, Cassius, the the blue the blue oh, guy, oh the the Cree man, Cassius, something like that. Mm, oh, no, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call him that while I look it up. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I got to the end of that episode where he has Gemma sort of enslaved and says something about having company coming. Yes. Um, I'm sure they'll get to that in the third episode that I haven't seen yet. Yes, they will. Um, I'm interested to see where that goes. I, ha- I Yeah, have... Cassius or... Cassius? Yeah. Okay. 
do they have like some weird pronunciation for like Casias or something? Casias, that's it. Casias. Okay. It's K A S I A S. Okay. Casias. Yeah. Casias. Okay. Um. Maybe it's just me trying to tie it back to MCU more, but I ha- I have this weird idea that this is like an alternate Earth where Thanos maybe succeeded. Well. Don't they say in that episode who is responsible for destroying Earth? Oh, that's right. They they did say it was a uh, quake. Yeah, if you believe that. Now the next episode, I, I will tell you the next episode immediately. Quake's response is, "No, that wasn't me." I don't think it would be her. At least not of her own will. Yeah. Um, I will also say in the very next episode they do acknowledge. The Marvel time travel rule that if you're traveling in time, you're really in an alternate reality. Okay. Um, Do they acknowledge it in so much as confirming it, or just acknowledge it as saying... A character says something to the effect of, you don't know that you're in your own future. For all you know, your past is different. It's actually that same conversation of it couldn't be me. Okay. Um... For all you know, your 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 future is different from my past, and you're just in an alternate timeline. Okay. Um, so it's not impossible that that would be the case. That is the norm in Marvel for time travel. Right. I like that rule, personally. Yeah. It's, yes, a, it's I, a lot less messy than... Uh, yes, I know your feelings on time travel. Certain other shows... <clears throat> Flashpoint. <clears throat> the Flash in general. Well... Um, I don't know. I like, I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have determined when it is at its most Black Mirror. I have not seen Black Mirror. I have not seen a lot of Black Mirror. I've seen some of Black Mirror. When it is its most kind of dystopian sci-fi. Like last season... As it got into artificial intelligences, and then basically, yeah, we're going to do the Matrix meets Secret Empire. Like, yeah. those moments, those ideas were the best ideas. I feel that way about kind of the setup here of the, okay, we're in this post-apocalyptic Earth setting that is this super authoritarian regime, and everyone is monitored and has these things implanted in their wrists that control them and you know a life spent is a life owed mm-hmm. um a life earned maybe i think there may be a couple of iterations on it oh um or a life yeah i don't know there are but this idea that you know you're either productive or you die yeah um I think when it leans into this, the dystopian sci-fi is when it is at its best. I think that is weirdly its happy place, and when it does its its strongest work. Yeah. Um. And we do have a couple of kind of new cast members who are helping the team out. We have I mentioned Tess earlier and Deke and Deke. Which will forever make me think of Canadian animation, but it reminds me of the the alien from Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah, wasn't its name Deke too? The 
Blady Bug guy? Yeah, the one that... I think so. It was something too. like that. Um, yeah, I will I will tell you that the next episode for you is... The Gemma stuff is brutal. If you like if you like Simmons, this is a good season for you because she gets to act in this season. Okay. I love I love the thing she does, and I think it's the second episode more so, but where her response to being in wherever they are is, Okay, great, we're in space. Guys, I've done space before, follow my lead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had that moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I think there's something that I wanted to ask about for shield i can't remember what it was was it my wackadoo theory about spider gwen i mean if you haven't discussed that on the podcast before then i i would say i haven't it It is basically circumstantial the short version is they've cast an actress on agents of shield dove cameron but have not said who she's playing she voices gwen on the Spider-Man cartoon, she's voicing Gwen on a Marvel animated series that start or animated movie franchise that's starting up soon. That also includes Chloe Bennett as Quake, mm-hmm. and other actors. Well, a- a- other actors have voiced other superhero characters on Marvel properties. So maybe we'll get some Spider Gwen, especially if this is in fact an alternate reality, <laughs> or would... more likely. Probably not, because that would be weird, but amazing. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. I, did, I feel like they would be able to pull it off well. Yeah. Did you did you remember your other question? I didn't. Okay. I feel like it probably has something to do with Deke's framework stuff, but... Yeah, I don't really know exactly what's up with that. Although Five Bucks says Grant Ward shows up inside it at some point. He, he'll be back every season. <laughs> Somehow, One way or another, they'll find a way to bring Grant Ward back. Maybe Deke is an alternate reality version. He's of his Grant son. <laughs> we'll, we'll meet Deke's father one day, and yeah. it'll be Grant Ward. Old man Grant Ward. <laughs> Alright. Um, Did you want to do Runaways, or are we... I don't have a ton to say about it. I've only seen the first two episodes. Um... There are a lot of changes from the comics, and by and large, I'm cool with them in as much as I think they could pay off in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know kind of a major criticism of the show is that it moves pretty slowly, and I didn't feel that way about the first one, but doubling back and spending time on the parents' plots in the second one, I did feel that a little... Yeah, Um, you haven't seen the third one yet. I haven't seen the third one yet. Okay. I was surprised that they spend so much time on the parents, but I guess they're just going to make the parents more developed characters than the comics took the time to do. I'm okay with that. I I know it is, I know it does drag the narrative a little bit because there's, that's just so many people to develop, but I think it gives them a more relatable level. No, I think that's true. I don't think it's a bad thing that they want to flesh out the parents more. I do feel like it necessitates they can't all be pure evil the way they are in the comics. Right. Like, I think some of them have to eventually become relatable. Yeah. And I think they've... I can't like, remember if that's Alex's that father is remarkably human. And he oh. was not very human in the comics. No. Which I'm cool with, like, I've said it before, both to you and on the show, I'm sure. I don't want my 
screen adaptation of my comic books to be identical to the thing. If I wanted the thing, I'd go reread the thing. Yeah. Whether it be the thing or another comic. I get that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts? Um, pretty much just that. I'm I'm a little interested to see how certain things go. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly interested in this uh, dead kid that they were all friends with. Amy. Yes, Amy. Minoru. That's the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nico's I, awesome. I'm better with aliases. Yeah. Um. Um. Nico in general is an awesome character. Last thing I have on Runaways is that I like what they're doing with Molly. Yeah. I like that they're making her more of a driving force in the story than just kind of whining and tagging along. Well, Molly had a stretch there in the comics where basically she and Nico were were kind of the two Runaways characters to break out into other Marvel books. Right. Um... There's a future version of Molly who shows up in Bendis' X-Men books. Oh. Uh-huh. Who was kind of a fixture for a little bit. So, okay. um, it makes sense that they kind of retroactively go back and flesh her out some because she did become kind of a fan favorite. And I don't think necessarily they expected that out of the gate. That's all, all right. I have on Runaways. Cool. <laughs> Neither of us are very far in it. Well, no. Um, I think that's it then. All right. So, I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll do another wrap-up at the end of the season. Who knows? Maybe. The Shadow knows. Pepperidge Farm remembers. All right, well, <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm Zach. And we'll be back with a relatively normal for us episode in just a few days. Yeah.